Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. We've been teaching on faith in the daytime, and I felt to bridge it into the nighttime too. As of this morning, we're halfway through. So we're on the back half. You hear Sunday through Saturday, twice a day announced, and we're already on the back half of it. And I want to bridge these faith messages from the morning into the night messages. And tonight, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, I perceive the faith that was in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice is now in you. Say say this out loud. Faith can be imparted. The faith that was in his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice was in him. So it's funny how Christians all believe in generational curses. And my grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. I battle alcoholism. But you know, you can pass down good things too. Can you say amen? The faith that was in my grandfather A.E. got passed to my dad and uh, it hit my, my sister and I, where they left us something positive in the spirit. Then he said, I remind you to fan into flames the gift God gave you when I put my hands on you. The laying on of hands, among other things, is a conduit for transference of the grace of God from one vessel to another vessel. I remind you to stir up the gift, 2 Timothy 1, uh, 6 through 8, 5 through 7, sorry. I remind you to stir up the gift that came on the inside of you. When did it come inside of him? Not everyone at once. When I laid my hands on you. Say, when I laid my hands on you. So the laying on of hands is not a Pentecostal way to close out a service or a different way of praying. That's why if you were here earlier in the week, I made fun of how people would come behind people in classic Pentecostal church and rub their shoulder or they'd get everybody to group up behind someone. They'd all pray. That's not impartation. In fact, one time I was getting ready to preach and uh, they said, well, before you go out, Brother Jonathan, we're going to have all the ministers or we're going to have everybody in the back room just circle around you and put their hands on you. I said, you know, the Bible says lay hands on no man suddenly. And I said, I'm very particular about who I lay, have, lay hands on me. So I said, you're welcome to pray for me, but I don't want you laying hands on me. And they, they, they looked offended. Why not? I said, well, in the Bible, the laying on of hands is for healing. I'm very healthy. It's for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Somebody already beat you to the punch on that one. And then it's for ordination into ministry. And then the other one's impartation. And I'm not, I'm here to impart to the church. I'm not here to have the deacons in the back and all that impart to me. Well, they said, well, we want to pray that God anoints you. Well, this is, the Lord gave me a good way to answer. I said, if I need to get anointed two minutes before church starts, you book the wrong speaker. Because the Bible says you have, and that sounds arrogant to people that grow up in, in traditional religion, but the Bible says you have an anointing that dwells with you from the Holy One that abides with you always. I'm going to tell you, your, your life will change if you stop thinking of the anointing as something that, that comes upon you here and there and then goes away and you go back to normal. Say this out loud. I can walk in the Spirit. Not only can you walk in the spirit, you're commanded in Galatians. It says it right in a row. Walk in the spirit, then live in the spirit. Then a couple sentences later, walk and live in the spirit. You know, you can go to sleep praying in tongues. You can dream God-given dreams in the night. You can wake up in the morning with the first thought in your mind, a thought that God's put there. You're not supposed to go from Clark Kent to Superman when you come to church and then go back to Clark Kent when you leave. You're supposed to stay in the anointing every day. Can you say amen? And so when we do this at the end, 
I used to line people up almost every service and lay hands on them, and I still do it quite a bit. One time, my daughter, when we had her, you know, she was in all my meetings. Adonis and her traveled with me to every meeting up until Camila started school. So Camila was in all those meetings, and then one day when she was a year and a half old, we went to eat after the service, and the waitress said, oh, look how cute you are. And Camila looked up at her and took her palm and slapped her in the head. And uh, my wife apologized. I said, I don't know why she did that. When the waitress said, I said, I know why she did. She's been watching me every day and every night go down the line and go like this to people. She thinks that's how you say hello. Hey, nice to meet you. Slap them right in the head. But what is the laying on of hands? The laying on of hands, in fact, it also says, that's uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. In 1 Timothy, it's uh, chapter 6. It says, turn there with me, 1 Timothy 6. Sorry, four. I can't believe I've only had this Bible four days. It looks like it's from the 19th century. First Timothy chapter four. Verse 14. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received. So Paul told Timothy this twice. Don't neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you. So say this out loud. I can receive things from God. Through the laying on of hands. But then the Bible tells you another way that prophecy, the Bible says in the Old Testament, and his spirit entered into me when he spake unto me. When someone gives you a true word from the Lord, it actually carries the power in that word to accomplish the thing that it says. One time I was feeling pretty worn out back in the, like 2008, 2009, and I was sitting in a service, and the minister walked right up to me and said, son, you're going to have the best autumn in the ministry that you've ever had. And then when he said that, this like, I felt the zeal. I wanted, I wanted, I wished I had a meeting at 11 p.m. that night. I wanted to get on a plane right away and start traveling. And then when I went out and started traveling, our meetings in attendance, in the amount of people saved, and the money that came in the offering, it, I wasn't doing anything different. But when I received that word, it put something in me. Is that scriptural? Yes, it is. Timothy, listen to what the Bible says. Don't neglect the spiritual gift you received. Through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. So there it is again. That the laying on of hands is a conduit for the gift that's in one person to be transferred into another. Let me tell you another story about, about transference of gifts. Because that's what we're going to do tonight. I want to lay hands on everybody that wants hands laid on them. Obviously, if you don't want laid, hands laid on you, you're, you're, you're free to go. Or you can just sit in your seat and cross your arms and stare at me like I owe you money. Like people do. But if you're hungry, how many came here hungry tonight? How many can tell a new day's dawning in Canada? I felt something break in this service. And I'm not saying that to, to rile a crowd up. You came riled up before I ever came in the, in the building. I felt something break in this meeting that I, I can tell is going to carry national prominence. Can you say amen? By the way, just so you know, I'm not blowing smoke. When we announced 40 days of glory at our church, in June, I felt the Lord speak to me. Stand in your pulpit every night and preach. There's going to be people there, obviously, that are hearing you preach, but I want you to preach differently. You're not preaching just to minister to those people. You're declaring things from the pulpit over the United States of America. And I told the crowd up front, I said, during these 40 days, 
we're going to start to see victories in the United States of America. I'm going to tell you, though, the kind of victories we saw blew me away. Seven days into 40 days of glory, Roe versus Wade was overturned. Since Roe versus Wade's been overturned, in blue, in blue states that still legalize abortion, 51 cities have voted in their city councils that any abortion uh, uh, services have to follow federal law. Well, that sounds like it's not a big deal, but federal law is that no abortion instruments or pharmaceuticals are allowed to cross state lines. So in other words, like New Mexico. In New Mexico, they have a blue governor who has a abortion, she's pro-abortion. But when these cities are passing, like Hobbs, New Mexico, and um, I think it was Lovington was the other one. You're not allowed to ship any abortion pills into New Mexico. So any of the pharmaceuticals would have to be produced there. And unless you can make abortion pharmaceuticals out of green chilies, that's not going to happen. And then secondly, even the steel surgical instruments, they can't order them from China or New York or L.A. They would have to be manufactured in New Mexico, essentially making it impossible. So what they did was... Texas banned abortion, so now people could run across into New Mexico to get abortion. Now the cities in New Mexico are saying, even if the governor's going to make it legal, we as cities are going to step up and make it illegal. And the tide began to turn in the United States of America. Now, I feel a resistance of about 40% of the crowd on the subject of abortion. Just in case you don't know, God hates the shedding of innocent blood. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, before I, you were formed in your mother's womb. Listen to this. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and have or, had ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And then in the New Testament, the Bible says that when, uh, uh, when Elizabeth heard that her cousin Mary was pregnant, John leaped in her belly and was filled with the Holy Spirit in her belly. So if you want to be pro-abortion, you're welcome to. But if you call yourself a pro-abortion pastor, you're full of the devil. And you have denied the Bible. There is no way to believe the Bible and be pro the murder of babies. That's a fact. Can't do it. I hate the shedding of innocent blood. Can you say amen? So, uh... uh Roe versus Wade flips first. Then the ruling against the EPA, the coal mines in West Virginia challenged the Environmental Protection Agency and the Supreme Court ruled that the Environmental Protection Agency cannot be used as a federal agency to police businesses in states. Legislation has to be passed, making it impossible. Biden, Biden now can't go over to Europe and then get instructions that we're going to pass the Green New Deal, which if you don't know, it has nothing to do with carbon emissions. It has to do with making it impossible to farm so that the, the food supply can be controlled and you can eat some kind of industrial sludge like Beyond Beef or crickets or whatever else they want you to. The, to. To implement communism, you have to control the food supply. Can you say amen? So it has nothing to do with the environment. And if people were honest, even if you did believe in global warming, uh, ask global warming scientists or climate change, whatever they want to call it, ask them how long 
if you implemented everything they want to implement, how long would it take for it to take effect? They say at least 100 years and probably more. So when they say we only have 20 years left, even if we did everything they say, it takes 100 years. You know, there's not a thermostat in the planet. So it doesn't, even, it doesn't even actually have anything to do with whether you believe there's climate change or not. The solutions would not work even from their own papers if they were honest and, and admitted it. So it's not about, it's about there being a carbon tax and control of the food supply to further impoverish people through the carbon tax. Why do you think the divorce rate's so high in Canada and America? Used to be like 8%. Then what happened? They got women working, raised taxes, made it where everybody in the house has to work. You see your husband for 38 minutes at the end of the day exhausted, getting a little fight and fall asleep. That's not how God meant the house to work. He meant for people, a marriage, to be able to have time together. And they keep pushing this stuff and breaking the family. The husband works all day, the wife works all day, and what do you hear every politician saying? If you get me elected, we'll have early childhood education and after school care. Yeah, get the husband out of the home, get the mom out of the home, and have the kids indoctrinated by the state from 6 a.m. till 5 p.m. every day. I'm going to tell you, you can take your kid to church every Sunday at some little 85-minute service that has 30 minutes of preaching, but if you drop them off at some communist center that hates God, hates the Bible, and hates your family. And they have to listen to that for 50 hours. They're not learning to read and write. They're learning to question gender. They're learning masturbation in first grade. If you can't see that's demonic, you need help. I'm telling you, God has had enough of that system. And one thing... Well, I won't stop you. If you want to know what revival does, revival's not just having good services at a church. Revival destroys those things that the enemy has set up to destroy people. Turn to Acts chapter 19. While you're turning to Acts 19, just so you know, I'm, like I said, I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not just, boy, he really gets excited. This is not excitement. Excitement can't overturn 50-year legal battles. This is called the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The hand of the Lord coming upon the body of Christ to run and overthrow the powers of the devil in one generation. I see you. I see you taking your place to do that in Jesus' mighty name. If you can't tell this is a special meeting, your teller's broken. You have people here from Central and West Africa. You have people here from India. You have people here from the Caribbean. You have Hispanic people here. You have First Nations people here. You have regular old vanilla white people like Pastor Phil. You have all kinds of people here that represent. I mean, if you, if you take a left to right swing, you have all of Canada, Italian, everything, French. You have everything represented in this meeting. You can see how the Lord is drawing in people to fill all nations with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire and tell the devil, you're not going to have Canada. The Canada does not belong to hell. Canada belongs to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last chapter, the last chapter of Canadian history will not be written by the devil. It'll be written by the men and women of God that I'm looking at right now. Now. 
And just so you know, that's why we're having two services a day. Last time I preached, it was 2019 and I couldn't get back in the country because I was unvaccinated. And I'm not, I'm not you're free to make whatever medical decisions you want. I'm not trying to promote a non-vaccine position, but I chose not to get vaccinated because it's difficult to preach only using one side of your face. But that's a personal decision. And I feel ever since COVID hit, not just with Canada, I've been doing day and night services almost everywhere I've gone because now I feel, now that I saw how quick things can change. And then you see, I mean, you can see the devil pushing right now, trying to get where things are going to go after the rapture. you You got North Korea firing missiles off the coast of South Korea. You have China going into Taiwan. You have Russia and Ukraine, and then them trying to suck Israel into it. There's like three different ways that it would be very important to know you know Jesus Christ by the end of the night. And so I don't know how, much, how long I have left. You know, in the natural, whether you know it or not, we have the biggest budget surplus in our ministry money-wise we've ever had. So it's not like I'm trying to pound two offerings a day. And if I had my way in my flesh, I'd come up here and preach Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'd do what other evangelists do. We're having a night of revival. Uh, you read the Bible. You can't have revival in a night. The Bible says, Paul, I'm going to read to you. Acts chapter 19. Paul taught for two years every day in the temple from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. Read what, guys, you know Western Canada has had mighty moves of God? When I landed in Saskatoon, I felt it, I had only ever preached in Eastern Canada in my life. New Brunswick, Ontario, and Quebec. And when I landed in Saskatoon, it felt different. I, I'm not real big on like feeling demons and feeling spiritual opposition, but it, almost any time I went to go through the border in Toronto, I'm telling you, they were like mean. Yeah. One time they took my car apart, went through the pages of my Bible. I guess, what are you doing? I'm a preacher. Why do you have to come preach in Toronto like that? And then that happened all the time. Then I come to Saskatoon and I land and the guy goes, what's your business in Canada? I'm preaching, uh, they tell you don't say that, say you're visiting someone, but I always felt if the Lord's in it, then let me, then let me I'm not lying. In, in the worst case scenario, you send me back to go spend a week with my wife and daughter, so I want to tell them what I'm doing. You know, I, I, just, I, I changed it from preaching to what, what are you? I'd say a Holy Ghost preacher. I wrote that on my customs form in Saudi Arabia. That's why I'm not afraid of COVID. I've, I've tested this stuff. I've done things that made my guardian angels go, oh my God. Yeah, when I went through, when I went through customs in Saudi Arabia, they, you had to put religion, occupation. Well, you know what they tell you in Bible college? That you, for occupation, you put a teacher because you're actually going to teach people the word. But I don't know whether it was me waking up from a nap and being in a super good mood or what, but I just said, well, let's see how this works out. Religion, I wrote spirit-filled Christian. And then uh, occupation, I wrote, Holy Ghost Preacher. So as I'm waiting in line, I start chuckling to myself because I'm thinking, this is going to be interesting. I was like excited to see how it turned out. <laughs> Trying to explain to someone in another language what Holy Ghost Preacher means. <laughs> so I'm going through. And as I, I'm holding my thing, wondering how it's going to work out, right? And I'm probably like 10 people from the line and two soldiers come and get me. And so I thought, well, I guess we're just going to cut right to the beheading. <laughs> so I, I thought to myself, I thought they must have cameras up 
and they like saw what I had written and it's just gonna be like, get this guy out of here. So they take me to this back room and for some reason, it's not, I don't know, I don't think it was faith. I just, I had just woken up and I was kind of like groggy and just thought it was funny. So I sat down and uh, they had me sit at a table. The guy went sit. So I sat and then he said, let me see your passport. And he took it, which that's usually not good. And then I sat there and um, then some soldiers came in and, oh, and put a tablecloth across the whole table and then started putting food down, different courses. One was dates covered in honey. It tasted like diabetes. <laughs> like instant diabetes. In fact, when they served it to me, the guy, the guy they didn't speak English and I didn't speak uh, Arabic. So they passed it and just like gestured to it. And I went like this and they go, eat. And when someone says eat in Arabic, with an AK-47. It's very convincing. It was the sweetest thing I've ever eaten. My foot turned purple when I was halfway through. <laughs> well, you guys like diabetes jokes, huh? <laughs> so, so I'm sitting there, they bring the food out, and they're all laughing and serving me food, but half of me's thinking like, they're like fattening up the Thanksgiving turkey, you know? Like, look at this idiot eating the food. Then they know we're going to shoot him. So I get all done eating. Then they bring dessert out, and I eat that. And they're all laughing and stuff. And then that guy comes back with my passport and goes, come with me, and brings me to the first class lounge. And my passport's all stamped. I didn't have to clear customs or anything. I don't know what happened, to be honest with you. I don't know why they did that. I don't know if they saw that written on my thing on the camera and thought, just, you know, get him away. But I felt from that point forward, I've always seen that if you just stand strong, God will actually reward you for it. And don't beat around the bush. And I'm telling you right now, because we have ministers that watch us that are doing overseas missions in the Middle East and stuff. You know, well, in this country, you can't have church. You have to have home groups. Let me tell you, if you start backing down and only having home groups, then they'll start arresting you. You think it's safe to hide. But the, the safety is actually in being bold. Daniel was bold. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have said, now listen, um, we're supposed to bow when they play the music. We're going to like, just go like this. <laughs> then it looks like we're bowing. But the Bible says they wouldn't bow, they stood. Then the king called them forward and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'll give you one more chance to, when the music's played to bow and worship my God. The devil will always give you another chance to back down because if you don't stop, he can't stop you. So the devil works by manipulation. Like you, you went through that the last two and a half years, as did we in, in the United States. Uh, you go through it with other things. I'll never forget, I had a lady that got saved in our open air crusade in Philadelphia. And she came up to me the last day crying. And she said, I have a problem. She said, uh, I gave my life to the Lord and you said when you were preaching that we can't sleep with people that we're not married to. I did say that because it's in the Bible. It's called sexual immorality. You're not allowed to have sex with people you're not married to. I preached that one time and this couple came up after the service. They were in their 20s and they said, um, excuse me, you said you can't live with anyone that you're not married to. We live together, but we don't have sex. I said, we're standing at an altar. I'm going to have you say that to me one more time. And if you're lying, God's going to kill you. They went, we sleep together sometimes. 
You had a feeling you didn't move in together because you needed a Scrabble partner. You had no one to play Battleship with. So I had preached that, and that lady had gotten saved, but look how the devil works. She said, but I'm having a problem. So she said, I'm having a problem. I knew exactly what was wrong. I said, you live with a man, and he told you that if you won't sleep with him, he's going to kick you and your kids out, and you won't have a place to live. How'd you know? Because the devil has no new tricks. The devil manipulates. If you don't do this, you're going to lose your job. If you don't do this, the devil always threatening. Now, when you all stood up and clapped when I was talking about the the husband and wife income, the kids being dropped off. If you want to know why it's important to preach prosperity, that's why. If you hear prosperity and you think of some slick-haired guy selling miracle oil, you've got the wrong thing. It is impossible to read that Bible and not see that sin carries a financial penalty and righteousness carries a financial reward. And the people of God need to know that you don't have to acquiesce and compromise to get money from the government and from people. You can live before God and have the windows of heaven open over you and your business and your children pouring out a blessing that's so great you won't have room enough to take it all in and you say amen. amen Canada as of now is in revival this meeting will have reverberations that that's why God's brought people you know my friend here that's a pastor from British Columbia He was flying to go see Pastor Rodney and they turned him back at the border for being unvaccinated. And so he just said, I I, I feel we're we're to be here. So God's repositioned people, Cree Nation, Grand Chief of the Cree Nation. There There are major people here in this meeting, just so you know. Major young people. You know, not long ago, I was you. Not long ago, I was you. Sitting and listening to somebody preach 15, 17, 19, 21 with your whole life ahead of you. And God starts depositing things at you now where you're going to emerge from this meeting and be a light to your generation and undo. Let me tell you, God's not doing what he's doing in you right now so you can survive the attack of the devil and just live holy and make heaven. Though if that's all you did, that's great. God is putting an overflow in you right now where you're going to start to destroy things the devil has set up in your generation. Can I tell you something? There are hundreds of people here right now that the devil will rue the day he didn't kill you when he had the chance because tonight God is going to set you ablaze. You're going to run through the fields of the Philistines and burn down every planting of the devil. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. If you receive that, go ahead and clap those hands one more time unto the Lord. Come on, give Jesus the biggest hand clap. Anyway, one win after another during 40 days of glory. And then win since then. What's the one that happened just before I left that was major? There's another leak. Oh, yeah. Every unvaccinated New York State worker that got fired was ordered by federal court to be rehired with one year's back pay. Say these two words with me. You ever hear my uh, my, uh, uncle Ted preach, my dad's oldest brother? He prophesied. He's a real prophet. He prophesied at the beginning of the year that 2022 would be a year of breakthroughs and turnarounds. Say with me, breakthroughs and turnarounds. Now, I told you that Canada is lagging behind the United States by about 12 to 14 months. So I'm going to tell you, 
from this last October through October 2023, should Jesus tarry, it'll be a year in Canada of breakthroughs and turnarounds. That kind of headline like I put up, those are going to start to be every three days, every five days. The kind of headline you thought you'd never see are going to be commonplace. People are going to have to answer for what they did to mankind. And God is going to elevate his church. And what looked impossible with man is now possible with God. So rejoice and be glad for the Lord has given you the victory. Hey, hey, somebody shout turn around. My friend here in the green, all the way in the back, you've been praising the Lord the whole meeting, but I'm not doing this because you're praising the Lord. I'm doing it because the anointing's on you. Take two steps forward, put one hand on your lower belly, and lift the other hand up to the Lord. Two fibroid tumors get taken out of your body right now, and the Lord gives fresh life to your pancreas in Jesus' name. There it is. Filled. That's it. Go right through you. In Jesus' name. More. More, more, hey, in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout hallelujah. By the way, if you don't enjoy these kind of meetings, I can recommend 200 churches in the area. But if you enjoy them, shout hallelujah. You know, there's a, a, a young lady that came to the meeting this morning. She might be here tonight. She accidentally clicked on my Instagram live trying to click on something else. And I was talking about prayer. Totally unsafe. No church. And then she wrote in the comments, uh, can you pray for me? And so I did. And then she said, some people were talking to her in the comments. She said she didn't know the Lord. And she received Jesus. And then she said, "Uh, I'm from Canada. I said, well, I'm coming to Canada in a few weeks. And she drove across from Ontario and has been in all the meetings. Can you see the Lord repositioning things? There was a lady here last night and this morning from uh, uh, Vietnam that got kicked out of her church for not being vaccinated. And then she found my dad on the internet. My dad said, my son is preaching in Montreal. You should go see him. She came right over, got prayed for last night, got prayed for this morning and made a bunch of new friends. Life's not gonna finish like it started. If I were you, I wouldn't worry about where I am tonight. It doesn't matter where you are now. Mind where you're going. God is taking you higher and higher and higher until Jesus comes back and there's nothing the devil can do about it. Come on. Man, you can feel victory in here. If you receive that tonight, clap your hands, oh ye people. Shout unto God. Got the breakthrough tonight. I feel it breaking. There's a breaking in Canada. And I know there's a lot of people here. I know there's a lot of people here that have never heard me preach before. I don't go all around everywhere I preach. Uh, but like I'm God's man that brings something to a nation and everything's breaking now because I'm having, a, I'm telling you, things are breaking in Canada. And you heard me. I wanted to come when they dropped the mandates, but I was unsure on the time. When I was sitting in Pastor Rodney's meetings last, night, last week, I felt strong in my spirit, get to Canada now. And I texted your pastor on short notice. We added these meetings. I was telling you, in my flesh, I'd love to do a Saturday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, and go see the old port and hang out with my, I love my sister. They probably think I don't like spending time with them. He's calling morning meetings too, so he doesn't have to talk to us. I'm not. 
We'll go on vacation later. Steve's on my board. We're going to spend time out in the desert, have a good time together. But this is, this is kingdom business. This is about making the devil pay. The devil will pay a price in Canada. This is going to be the worst 12 months that Satan has ever known in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. How many feel victory in here? Say it out loud. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Jeremiah chapter 1. Oscar, you don't have to duck when you come down the center aisle. Jeremiah chapter 1. What that other photographer does that scrapes his knuckles every time he walks. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 5. Say it out loud. The joy of the Lord, the of the Lord is, my is my strength. Jeremiah 1.5. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said... I can't speak for I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. Everybody say, don't say you're too young. If you're 17 or 18 or 19 or 20, it's time to move. Those are important years in life. Don't let some older person, well, you need to wait. You don't need to wait. You need to move. I started preaching when I was 19 and then full-time at 21. There are things that if they're not seized in your youth, you'll never seize them. Rory, how old were you when you started training to fight MMA? 14. Whatever you, you know you're going to do, get moving on it. I've actually, and this parents aren't going to come back after I say this, but, you know, I was waiting until Camila could learn to read because you need to learn how to read and communicate. Those are two important things. And you need to learn how to respond when you get picked on or have somebody that doesn't like you, which is why I didn't homeschool. I'm not against homeschooling. That's why I can remain friends with Matea. But that's why I put her in school because you need to know what it's like to deal with someone who hates your guts and a teacher that doesn't like you for no reason, and people that, you know, that kind of thing. Because that happens all through life. It goes from being a teacher to a permit officer to whatever. So uh, anyway, but I've seriously battled with, like, once she can read, why have her study stuff that she isn't going to use? Because I already, I already know what she's good at and what she said that she wants to do. So, you know, she likes art. I'd be, I'd be apt to like just put her in some art institute where they have her drawn for six hours, something that makes money. You, it's hard to make money off algebra. Now, you need it for engineering and stuff, but she's not going to do engineering. I can tell. She's like her dad. She gets C's in science and math. In fact, one time, she had a really not great report card. And so I guess Adonis had yelled at her pretty bad. This was a few years back. She's doing fine now. But Adonis had, like, given it to her. So they weren't good grades except for Jim. Jim, she got an A. So Adonis goes, go up and show your dad your report card. So she comes up. You know, Camila, she's so cute. And then seeing her eyes swollen and crying it made me really sad. So then she hands me a report card, and it wasn't good. No Fs, but not great. Not one you're going to pin on the fridge. So when she handed it to me, out of reaction of knowing what you're supposed to do as a parent, I got ready to tell her, like, what are you doing? You know, these aren't good grades. And then I just said, yeah, I was already yelled at her. 
I'll just cheer her up. And I went, whoa, knocked it out of the park in gym. I went, what were you doing? That's an A in gym. She like, yeah, I was doing jumping jacks. They said I did a good job. Say this out loud. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what God's gifted you to do. With whatever you're not good at, I guarantee you, God didn't put any trash on this earth. There's something you can do better than anybody else when you hook it in with the anointing. The Lord's going to reposition you in that. You're going to enjoy your life. When you find the thing that God's called you to do and do it, you can do it for 11 hours. It feels like 11 minutes. That's how you're going to spend the rest of your life till Jesus comes. Life's not going to be a drag. Life's going to be a joy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Camila came down the stairs with a smile on her face and Adonis went to the top of the stairs and went like this to me. What are you doing? <laughs> it's first grade, relax. A bunch of moms telling their kids right now, don't listen to him. Only listen to him when he reads the Bible. Don't say you're too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of their faces. For I will be with you and protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, listen to this. Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow. And some you must plant and build. Six things that God said you have to do in the ministry, four are destructive and two are, are positive. So most ministers get an A plus in the plant and build, love your neighbor, do what the government says, all positive. But there are things when you're in the ministry that you have to stand against. Thanks for two amens and a grunt. There's things you have to uproot. There's things you have to destroy. I'm going to give you an example. How do you destroy things in the ministry? Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, and again in Matthew 18, 18, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. We don't use the word bind anymore. That's 17th century English uh, legal jargon. You don't tell your son when he disobeys you, I bind you from using the car for a week. So bind means forbid. Whatever you forbid on earth, I'll back your forbidding in heaven. And whatever you loose or permit and allow on earth, I'll back that from heaven. Well, I would do this more towards the altar call, but then sometimes I forget. Are you Oscar's sister or somebody else? Stand up if you would. Take a step forward. Lift both hands. Maybe you already know this, but the hand of the Lord has come upon you tonight for the ministry. It's firing into your spirit right now, even as I'm preaching. You will be a great preacher. You will arrest large crowds with your preaching. Many young people will be turned to God in your youth. And you'll never lack. In Jesus' name. Amen. What was I saying before that girl interrupted me? Oh, yeah. Whatever you, thanks. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose or permit on earth, I'll permit in heaven. So notice who it starts with both times. You. 
You're the one that decides enough's enough. You're the one that says, I'm not putting up with that. Why did God allow that? Why do you allow it? You can actually put a stop to it by the power of death and life that's in your tongue. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Amen. I'm going to show you something that I did when I was in church, and this will show a, uh, a way that this works. We have prayer Tuesday through Friday for one hour every day at our church. We do the word in prayer with the Bible college students and everybody else that wants to come. And uh, the Bible says you do not know what you should pray for nor how you should pray, but the Spirit prays through you in groanings and utterances that can't be said in your natural language. So what happens is when you're praying in the Spirit, um, and I'll, I'll just teach this to you since I'm with you this week, this will help you. The best way to pray is to pray in the Spirit, and then it'll trigger things to your mind to pray for, pray it out in English, then go back to tongues. So I'm praying in the Spirit at our church in Pittsburgh, and all of a sudden this thing rose up on the inside of me like a volcano to come against fentanyl distribution in the city of Pittsburgh. So... I'm going to play for you what did, and then I'm going to show you what happened in 30 hours because this is a demonstration that this isn't just nice talk and getting people riled up. The greatest power is in the spirit. Can you say amen? So I could get my own political party and raise money and petition the Drug Enforcement Agency to crack down on fentanyl and corruption that's in the DEA and corruption that's in the CIA that's allowing it through the southern border, or... You can, like Elijah, just stand and say, there will be no doer reign until I give the word. Everybody say, destroy. destroy. Say, overthrow. overthrow. So if there's somebody watching from Canadian intelligence that thinks we're trying to get, gather a group of people to come burn the state house down, that's not it. But it's taking power in the spirit. And one thing I've never understood about Christians, especially full gospel Christians, is that I said that this lady's a witch and she casts spells in this region. Why do you believe that someone that works for the devil has the power to take something down, but that you that work for God, that have God's power on the inside of you, don't have power to affect a region by your words? And we don't have to sacrifice a cat and stir some pot and get the right kind of herbs from a garden and flick them. They have the blood of chickens. We have the blood of Jesus that was shed 2,000 years ago, and we have the power of the Holy Ghost. Witches. If you have witch problems, I feel bad for you, son. I've had 99 problems, but a witch ain't one. And if you got that reference, shame on you. That lady's a witch. Well, she better back up. Because greater is he who lives in me than all them that are in the world. Watch this as a demonstration for what I'm preaching. Everybody say, tear down. Tear down. Go ahead, roll it. I curse, I curse heroin addiction. I curse the supply line of fentanyl into this city. In Jesus' name, I curse. I curse the supply line of heroin and fentanyl into this city. There will be arrests in the next seven days. The police will think they caught a lucky break, but it's not luck in Jesus' name. Let a curse come upon everybody that has a hand in the supply of drugs to this city. FBI, CIA, corrupt DEA, regular gang members, anybody that has their hand in the supply of drugs to this city, I curse that in Jesus' name. Enough deaths, enough parents having to bury their children in Jesus' name.
This is the man state agents arrested in one of the largest fentanyl busts in recent memory. Now we are talking about a lot of drugs. They found 700,000 individual doses of fentanyl at his Pittsburgh area home. Channel 11's Gabriela DeLuca is live now with how local and state law enforcement piece this all together. Gabby? Lisa and David, the state attorney general, told me this is one of the biggest busts that has happened here in Western PA. He said the fact that this high-level dealer is behind bars will make a difference in our part of the state. Drugs, guns, cars, and cash. Police say Dominique Taylor had them all in his home in Braddock and at a nearby garage and trailer. The defendant here was not only pushing dangerous poisons into our communities, he was a big-time drug dealer in our communities. According to investigators, Taylor owned several properties and businesses, which they say he used to launder drug money. I discussed the case with State Attorney General Josh Shapiro by Zoom today. He said Taylor was dealing heroin and fentanyl. In fact, Prayer, that's a sign. So when you pray, and I'm sorry if this is going to offend some people and run some people out, but if you want to use prayer and stuff to make gold dust appear, Unless you're collecting the gold dust. When I hear these Christians say they had gold dust in their meeting. Did, so you left it in the carpet and vacuumed it up? You're not an intelligent person. You can put the lights back on and, and that, that's enough. You, uh, you know, unless you're going to scrape the gold up and get it minted. Or there were gemstones that appeared in the service. Were they real gemstones? Did you go and get them certified and get the money to help build churches? If you want to know something about me, I'm not into smoke. I'm into actual property acquisition, actual buildings being built for the kingdom of God, actual souls saved, actual fentanyl. No, we come against the devil. No, fentanyl comes to an end. Start putting specific targets on things in your prayer and get it done in Jesus' name, and God will answer those prayers. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. Flip over to Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. Acts, the 19th chapter, in the first verse. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through. The, I want to talk to you about revival. Revival in a nation, revival in a region. Because a lot of people say, have things to say about revivals that have never had one in their life. If you haven't been at a place and stayed there three or four weeks and had the crowd outgrow the building, then shut up. You don't, you're not qualified to talk. Well, revival is so much. Have you had one? Then, then don't talk. I'm tired of hearing people who have never had a revival. We're having a night of revival at our church. You don't even know what revival is. You don't have a night of revival. You know what churches mean when they say they're having a night of revival? We're going to allow one night for the Holy Spirit to move. That's what they mean. You should try letting the Holy Ghost move in every service. But this, this is what revival is. This is what I, and I'm reading this to show you what's going to emanate out of this meeting. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. I told you when I said the gold this thing, people are going to go quiet. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? He asked them. I, we believe every believer receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost upon conversion. Well, then you and Paul have different theologies. Did you receive the Holy Ghost since you believed? He asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? They replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later. 
meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, there's the laying on of hands again. The Holy Ghost came upon them. Everybody say the Holy Ghost came upon them. We believe the Holy Spirit was only given to the first 12 apostles. Well, I'm sorry you bought a Bible on discount because someone ripped Acts 19 out. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them. These were regular people. These weren't priests or apostles or anything. The Holy Ghost came upon them, and they all spoke in tongues, and they all prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So Paul comes to Ephesus and starts with 12 people. Now watch. Acts 19.8. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, per preaching persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul quit and said, I tried it and people hurt me and that's why I don't preach anymore. No, Paul took the people that were with him and got a new venue and held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. If you have the Amplified Classic, if I remember right, it says every day from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. He preached every day from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. for two years. So don't skip this part when you see what happens next. Because if you're not careful, you, is that it? Disciples went with him and he went on holding daily discussions in the lecture room of Tyrannus from about 10 o'clock till 3. Everybody say five hours. So I'm actually, I actually don't preach as long as you should if you're going by the book of Acts. Paul preached a long time. I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you one of the things that makes me laugh in the book of Acts is Luke wrote the book of Acts. And one place he says, as Paul continued preaching for a long time. That was like his nice way around it. This guy does not shut up. Paul was preaching one time and the Bible says that it went past midnight and the flickering of the lights in the window made a guy named Eutychus fall asleep and he fell out of the window and died. Paul went down, raised him to life, had him take his seat and said, so anyway, point number 41. <laughs> now, I'm not making a doctrine out of preaching five hours and preaching past midnight, but I will say, you take the man who ordained me in the ministry, Rodney Howard Brown, he preaches long. It, well, what happens when he preaches long? Has it made his ministry shrivel up? Or has he gone all over the world packing stadiums and arenas because he get, they're not rushing people in and rushing them out. I listen on live streams to pastors do their services. It's like, do you own the building or not? Listen, we're not, I've heard, I hear people, the first words out of their mouth when they go to preach is, we're not going to hold you here long. Now listen, I'm not going to be very long. Wow, if that's your opening comments, you're giving me the feeling like you have nothing to say. Now listen, uh, we're, we're going to be done soon. We have second service coming up. So we're just going to share a couple of thoughts. What's the rush? You build a, a, an $11 million church and it's used for two hours once on Sunday and then empty. But I'm telling you, like we're having daily meetings right now, this will come, become commonplace all across Canada and in this church that people flock in every day, just like in the book of Acts, to hear the word of God and be changed. I'm not saying people have to do things like me, but I am saying, if you watch me pastor, I structured my pastoral ministry off of this. The Bible says the sower sows the word. I've done one wedding. I, I, I'm not doing them. And I'm working to keep people from dying. And if there's a funeral, if it's somebody super close to me, I'll do it. But you're not going to read much in the book of Acts about weddings and funerals. 
They were preaching. And, and when Peter got pulled out of the place of prayer and ministry of the word because of a dispute that arose in the feeding program, he said, put men that are full of the Holy Ghost in charge of this and don't trouble me about it again. We apostles are to be given to prayer and the ministry of the word. So every day at my church that I'm home, we have a one-hour service where I lead the people in prayer and then give them something out of the word. I teach in the morning at 10 a.m. for all the people that watch all around the world and then uh, usually at night somewhere too. A preacher is to sow the word. The less of the sowing of the word you do, the less fruitful your ministry will be. It's very easy to get caught up in errands. I like our pastor because he's not too high and mighty to go break down a box and put it in the dumpster. Okay, great. Man, I hope he gets that on his tombstone. Was willing to break down boxes and put it in the dumpster. That's the kind of thing that the devil puts on. You know, he painted the wall himself. Pastor shouldn't be up on a ladder. Pastor shouldn't be painting. Pastor should be studying the word, getting fresh manna from God, and then blowing the doors off the place on Sunday with something he got from the throne room of heaven. So if the Lord makes you a helps ministry in your church, that's why it's called helps ministry. You help the pastor do that. You take care of the rudimentary operations of the church so that the man of God can be ready on Sunday to drive tumors out of people. Can you say amen? So don't skip that part because if you're not careful, you read through Acts and you blow through it and you feel like Paul was just coming to these places, having huge meetings, on to the next place. Before we read any of the other parts, for two years... Every day from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. And basically, I'm doing the same thing here, just breaking it up into two sessions. Two and a half in the morning, two and a half at night. He preached the word of God to them. How many pastors or full-time ministers or people training for the ministry are here? Put your hand up high. There's no problem in a region where, you'll, where God will send you, where the word of God won't break it open. So if you preach every day and teach every day or... or the, the harsher it seems, just keep preaching. And if there's a problem in an area, our people don't give. Teach the word on giving. Our people aren't open to the Holy Ghost because there was a pastor in the area that was a Pentecostal and then he had an affair and, and so that jaded people against. Start teaching on the, on the gifts of the Spirit from the Bible. Anywhere where there's a lack, what did Paul do? The Bible says, did you receive the Holy Ghost since you believed? No. Why? We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. People will never receive what's not taught and preached to them. So when you're in the ministry, whatever the weakness is in a city, start sowing the word on it. Can you say amen? And the word is like a hammer that will break asunder everything that stands in its way. I see God's word breaking every hindrance in your life. From the right side of the room to the left side, those watching online, you're leaving here free from every bondage tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. If you receive that, go ahead. Give the Lord a great big hand clap one more time. Somebody shout hallelujah. This went on for the next two years, verse 10, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. I'm just gonna, I don't know why I feel to deal with these things. This is not a minister's institute. You know, when, when Kenneth Hagin traveled, he wouldn't go to a church unless they'd have him for at least two weeks and usually would stay three. So he would have an order. He didn't have a schedule. Like me, I'm here this week. The next week, I'm in Northport, Florida. He didn't do that. He had like a batting order for baseball, so he would just tell the pastor, when I'm done in Montreal, I don't know how long the meeting's going to go, 
Then I'll call you and I'll come there next. Then that guy, when I'm done with him, then you're up next. Because he knew there's, there's things you're not going to have. You're not going to do much at a church in one night. You can have a soul winning campaign in one night. But if you're going to, there's another part of the ministry where the Bible says it's for the building up of the saints and the perfecting of the church. If we'd have stopped this meeting after Sunday night, first of all, there's people that wouldn't have even, that, that Vietnamese lady found out about the church and came last night for the first time. When you stay, it gives the meeting a chance to build. Where someone gets healed and tells their family they get healed, then the family comes back. So, and I'm not talking to you, TJ. I know, I know you're an evangelist. I actually haven't looked at your schedule. But there's a lot of people that call themselves evangelists. It's just... You know, their schedule for the month is I'm going to be in Dallas Sunday night at 6 p.m. And then I'm going to be in Kentucky uh, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. two weeks after that. You're not an evangelist. You're filling a pulpit on a Sunday. Evangelism and revival, you plant yourself at a place. How many of you were here in either 13 or 14, 2013 or 14, when Fob Street at the old church packed out? Till we had people standing along the back and then we went a second week and then the day services started to pack out. Anybody remember that? And we had major, in fact, Luke Carlone, my friend, we were playing video games together on the headset and he said, do you remember that time you came and on that Sunday night, there was a girl there, if I remember right, that had juvenile arthritis and she got hit by the power of God so hard, you could hear the bones pop and snap. Her mom and dad came running and crying one of them got healed. Another guy that had, uh, I think his name was Nick, if I remember right. He was a limo driver. And he had a sciatica problem where they, when they went to fix it, they clipped the nerve and he had no feeling in the one leg and God healed his leg and he ran around the building. That all happened in one night. Then, then it started to grow from there. How many of you, anybody there that can testify to that? That was, that one Sunday night in FOB was one of the most powerful meetings I, I ever had. And I was there that one Sunday night it blew up and then it was over. Then they ended up having me back after and we were able to, uh, to stay longer because I was young. There's a momentum. Like if I were you, you, you need to be forceful with pastors about doing Sunday through Friday. Don't stop on Wednesday. Because Friday's when people start driving in from other states or provinces anyway. So, I mean, a week, Brother Aiken wouldn't go anywhere for at least two weeks. So even if they're uncomfortable with it, Make a point, and most people are very weak. If you're strong, they'll acquiesce to you. But, and it's worth being strong about. You can't do much in three days. This thing is actually just starting to take off now on Wednesday. And I'm glad we have two services a day through the rest. It broke tonight. If tonight was the last night, watch everything that happens tomorrow and Friday and Saturday and think what a shame it would be if it ended now because it's going to bloom. When did you guys? I just recognize you. You came from Ontario? You got here when? Last night. So this is the first time they could be here. It's just starting to get out. Just starting to have people come in. Plant yourself in a place a while. Because if you're not careful in evangelism, you start shooting to have a lot of meetings. When really it might be better to have four good ones. And stay there for six weeks apiece. Pastor Rodney Howard Brown went to Lakeland, Florida. This isn't not in the 40s. In the 90s. They had, by the end of the 13 weeks, they were having 4,000 people come in the day and 9,000 at night. And they covered it on CNN. And then you can look it back up. They said, why do people laugh in your meetings? And Pastor Rodney said, because they're happy. 
And then they said, why do people fall over in your meetings? And he said, because they're unable to stand up anymore. And that meeting shook Central Florida. Now I'm saying this because there's some things that Canada has lost in the spirit that God's going to restore now. Remember a long time ago when I started talking about landing in Saskatoon before I went into that dates uh, Saudi Arabia story for some reason? When I landed in Saskatoon, the customs officer said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm going to preach a revival meeting. He said, at what church? I told him, he said, oh, that's great. He said, uh, I'm glad you're here. Have good meetings, Reverend. And I thought, that's weird. Then when I got through customs, I felt, I, I honestly, in my spirit, Saskatchewan felt like I feel when I go to Texas. It felt just like in the spirit. It felt like wide open. So I looked up. I said, well, I told uh, Kofi that was with me. I said, somebody had long revival meetings here in Saskatoon because they cleared out whatever's in Eastern Canada that needs cleared out. Somebody already cleared it out here. So I look it up and a guy named Charles Price that was an attorney that got baptized in the Holy Ghost and started preaching. And because he was an attorney, he would come at the Bible as a covenant and say that these things belong to those that are cursed. And because we are now in covenant with Christ from a legal standpoint, through the shedding of his blood, that you have a right to be healed because healing belongs to you in your covenant with God. Then he, he ministered differently. He would never preach less than two hours. And before he would pray for you, you had to fill out on a card at least three sermons that you had heard before he'd pray for you to make sure you had enough, not, not to keep you coming back, to make sure you had enough word in you to, to receive. He held a six-week meeting in the ice arena in Saskatoon in the 1920s. And I'm telling you, when I got off the plane, I could still feel the effect from it. So I've noticed, because I love Canada, and I have family in Canada, I don't see many evangelistic meetings up here. I see one night, Friday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. That's it, a weekend Friday, and let me tell you, if you're watching me, you're a pastor in Ontario. What are you having somebody in for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Why, why do they treat it? I'm telling you, in the back of most preachers' minds, they think they're imposing on people to make them come to church. Like they're doing people a disservice to have more. You'll, they'll say it right in the beginning of the meeting. Don't they, TJ? We're having TJ in Sunday to Wednesday. Now, I know that's a lot. No, it's not. It's a privilege to be in the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I'm not trying to sound mean, but if you go to Good News Chapel and you're going to come tonight and then maybe one more night just to support the meeting so Pastor Steve can see you were here, stay home. You don't have to support the meeting. The meeting's supported. You don't need people coming out of obligation. You need the Nicholas and, and people that come that are hungry. People from Windsor, Ontario. People from nine hours north of here on the Cree Nation. Youth and young adults that have had enough with ordinary living and say, I want the Holy Ghost. I want to be on fire for God. And again, I'm sorry for the meanness because like, no one's been like that. But you get that in church, the leaders, the children's workers. Oh, I was doing children's ministry for the Jonathan Shuttlesworth meeting. I had to be back there with the kids for four hours. How long would you have to be with kids if you worked at a daycare place? 
How long? Does anybody work? How long are you with the kids? Eight hours. So you actually have full-time staff, children's workers, at a church that will complain they have to be back with the kids for four hours. Their butt should be fired before the end of the meeting. And get people that actually find it a privilege to be able to sit kids down and teach them the word and give them a godly influence. God is going to raise up a new breed of Christians that are real Christians in eastern Canada, in western Canada. Canada shall be saved in Jesus' name. We've been having services twice a day. I'm tired. Learn to make coffee. They say an apple has the same amount of energy as a good cup of coffee. You don't know how to make coffee. You need to let me teach you how to make coffee. Where it's a drinkable form of meth that's easier on your teeth. Just very tired. Nobody more tired. I'm going to tell you this. The thing you fight most in the ministry to have revival is not the devil. It's preachers. It's pastors. Well, you're saying that because you're an evangelist. No, I've been a pastor for 10 months. The people want to come. The people are hungry. And the pastor's nervous no one's going to show up. Now, I'm going to tell you, TJ, since you're the only evangelist I know that's here, I'm sure there's more. When a pastor tells you, what if no one shows up, especially in Canada right now after the lockdowns, I'd say, no one's already showing up. (laughs) Your church is already empty and you're worried about no one showing up. Why not think in the positive and say, instead of trying to cling to our 21 people, why don't we believe God that in the next three weeks, this place explodes by the power of God? I'm not going to hold you here all night, I promise. But, but let, let, me, let me deal with this. I'm going to give you an example for TJ, and then the rest of you are welcome to listen. I got invited early in my ministry. Camila wasn't born yet. Adonis and I had been married about one year. And I got invited to preach at a church in Huntington, Pennsylvania. And it was supposed to go Sunday through Friday. He wanted to do Sunday to Wednesday. I pushed Sunday to Friday so that it gave it a little time to, for something to happen. There were about 31 people on Sunday morning in about a 300-seater. So this is going to be about your average. You know, because of what's going on in Canada, there are things that are going to have to be rebuilt from the ground up. Because the denominations have collapsed. I'm not saying that because I'm anti-denomination. I'm saying it because the denominations have collapsed. They don't have power. If they called a meeting, they can't get anybody to show up. If the PAOC called a national meeting, how many, how many people could they get to show up? If the CAOG called a national meeting, how many people would show up? They're not going to get 10,000. They're not going to get 1,000. So there are things that are going to have to get built from the ground up. And God's going to raise people up that do that. Evangelism now is almost going to be like evangelism would have been in Canada in 1820. Well, you start, you go to the prairie and there's, you just get a building and start with how many people and start working the works of God and word coming out in the thing growing. Can you say amen? amen? So Huntington, Pennsylvania, 31 people, 280 seater, 300 seater. The place is empty. So the pastor calls me up uh, to preach Sunday morning and I get up and I said, let's all stand for the reading of God's word. And I looked down to to turn to my text. And when I looked up, not one person was standing. And most of the people were going like this. 
So I thought, well, let me give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the mic cut out or something. So real nice, I said, let's all stand as we read God's word. And they actually like shifted in their seats like, like we're not standing. And something came out of me. I weighed 30 pounds less than I do right now. And I'm not big now. I looked like a 26-year-old Bob Barker from The Price is Right. Just like, I had the muscle tone of a newborn baby. I wasn't intimidating to anybody. But when those, when those hillbillies in Pennsylvania stared me down and would not stand up after I, I said to, I came down off the platform and I said, if you're physically able to stand, you're going to stand for the reading of God's word or I'm going to grab you by the armpits and stand you up personally. And I said, if you'd like to leave, you can leave. But either way, you're going to stand up. And I watched those rednecks, eyebrows go up, and them shuffle to their feet like this. So I saw the pa- I thought the pastor would be mad and kick me out of the meeting or whatever. He's in the front row laughing. And we had people get saved that morning. The pastor comes up to me, and I'm thinking he's going to say, you're out of here. I can't have you doing that. He said, that was awesome that you said that stuff to them at the beginning. I said, you, you think so? He said, this church has had seven pastors in the last six years. The board keeps voting out every pastor that comes. So I wasn't being mean or because I'm not a morning person. There was a spirit there that needed to be confronted. And I confronted it. Well, meeting starts growing. We go from 31 in the morning all the way up to 43 at night. Then we start going 50, 60. We get to Friday. Friday, we're hitting at about 65. We've had people healed. We had a lady's backslidden teenage daughter that was living with her boyfriend. Her and the boyfriend get saved and move out from each other. And everybody's getting, you know, a little town. People talk. They start hearing something's going on. The thing keeps growing. Pastor says, can you stay a second week? Sure. Stay a third week. Stay a fourth week. Stay a fifth week. At the end of the fifth week, we had 122 people up from 31. Not other churches that drove in. There was no live stream back then. Nobody came in from other states. It was all local people. And the church quadrupled in five weeks. So the last night where we had 122, everybody knew I was leaving. Everyone came. Churches, church starts looking full, especially compared to how it looked. It looked like a huge success. The power goes out. There's a storm and it cuts the electricity right as I'm going to preach. It's demonic. But we're so far out in the woods that all the people had lanterns on them. I mean, in the woods. When the power goes out, it's like, no, no problem. So there was, no child, there was no children's ministry. Who carries a lantern? Hey, thanks, Paul Revere, for saving this, the service. So there's no children's ministry. There's nowhere to put the kids. So they were all crying and yelling. But when they lit the lanterns and it was dark, the flickering lights put all the kids to sleep. I preached. We had the biggest altar call, people that got saved that night. And then the lights came on right when I turned the service back over to the pastor. It was like everybody knew it was demonic and that we defeated it. So it goes from 31 to 122 in five weeks. If you're going to say Canada shall be saved as your ministry, that's the route you're going to have to take. You're not going to get it done Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. You're going to have to plant yourself, whether it's Weston Road or where, whatever door opens up. You need to tell people. If you're going to have me in, you need to have me in for a minimum of three weeks. And if they say, uh, if they say well, you know, and who's going to get all the offerings? Then if they've got a problem with it, just remember. 
The way the churches are in Canada right now, why try to beat a door down? Why argue with someone to get into a place that's down already to 17 people? If you have to, get your own room and start holding the revival meeting like Charles Price did and drive the devil out of every corner, every city. Toronto's gonna be shaken. Montreal's gonna be shaken. Quebec City's gonna be shaken. Abbotsford's gonna be shaken. Vancouver's gonna be shaken. Jesus is gonna shake Canada one more time. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. Stand on your feet, everybody. One more time, say it. The devil will not write the last chapter of Canadian history. Say the church will write the final chapter. And it will be a glorious chapter. Now lift your hands and begin to thank God that you're not going to watch it happen. You're going to be a part of it happening. Everybody has their place to take. Everybody has their place to take. Listen to everybody praying in tongues. This does not sound. This is a book of Acts meeting. God is filling people right now. The Lord's going to show you as you're praying what your, what your place is in this end time revival. Where to plug in. Where you belong. Some of you are going to have to leave old places and come where the new wineskin is. You're going to have to leave the synagogue and go travel with Jesus. You're going to have to leave the comforts of family behind and take your place and take your position. Keep praying. It's strong in here. I hear the sound of the armies of the Lord. In Jesus' name we've prayed, everybody said. Now with your hands lifted, say this, thank you, Jesus. I'm not trying to get the victory. I have the victory because you already won it for me. Say it, the devil's not over my head. The devil's not eye to eye. The devil is under my feet. Now go ahead and rejoice and be glad because it's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. The devil is under your feet. Cancer is under your feet. Health problems are under your feet. Anger problems are under your feet. Addiction is under your feet. Everything that has to do with hell is under your feet. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Say it one time. The Lord is good, Lord is good. and his mercy endures forever. Paul went to the synagogue. Stay on your feet. Remind me to quit. Preach boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. So then he goes and preaches for two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Two years. Then God gave Paul the power to perform unusual or special miracles that when handkerchiefs or aprons, remember that's after two years of preaching in a region, 
that the word of God broke things down so heavy that now there's a free course of the Holy Ghost to come behind the word. That when handkerchiefs or aprons had merely touched his skin, were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and any evil spirits came out. If you're going to have a ministry in Canada in this last hour of time, you're going to have to have a ministry that casts devils out. That pastor I preached for in Oregon, Pastor Lou, had Antifa come to his church because his church was the only church open. And the head leader comes up and starts cursing him. And uh, Pastor Lou's a big guy. He felt the Holy Ghost come on him. He said, I felt this compassion for this guy that was F-bombing me and yelling at me. You know, Antifa, full black with a whole array of guys with him. And and, uh, Pastor Lou puts his arms around him and starts praying in tongues. And the kid goes limp. Spirit comes out of him. And then he goes limp in his arms. And Pastor Lou shakes him. Where am I? said, you're at church. Why am I here? I said, I don't know. You, you came here, and I came uh, to pray for you. He said, pray this prayer with me. Kid received Jesus Christ, laid hands on him, got filled with the Holy Ghost, fell out under the power in the grass. All the other Antifa guys scattered. What's behind Antifa? What's behind all these wicked people? Just walking around hitting people with sticks and stuff. It's demons. So any ministry that's going to thrive, not just Canada and America, you're going, to have, you're going to, not that you seek to do it, but you're going to have to, the anointing stirs up demons. That snake ref, stayed hidden until the fire, the heat of the fire drove the snake out. And the same fire that drove the snake out, Paul shook it off into the fire and the same fire that exposed it destroyed it. The anointing exposes, demons actually like to remain hidden, but the anointing when the atmosphere gets thick enough, they can't remain unmanifested. Can you say amen? Verse 17, for the sake of time. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city and the name of the Lord was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. And a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. Let me see in the Amplified Classic, verse 20. I love this scripture. Acts 19, 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Acts 19, 20. Thus the word of God concerning the attainment through Christ of eternal salvation in the kingdom of God grew and spread and intensified, prevailing mightily. What grew and spread and intensified? Word of the Lord. So signs and wonders are an aid to people receiving the word. The word is the main thing. He honors his word above his name. Revival is not everybody coming into a room together and shaking their heads as fast as they can and rolling around on the ground. Things happen. Signs and wonders happen in a revival. But everything is so the word of God can be exalted and preached. Can you say amen? Like you saw me at the beginning. I felt led to pray for that guy right off the bat, pray for somebody else. But the word of God is the thing that you build on. Paul preached the word from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. for two years. Then even after all the other stuff happened, so mightily grew the word. Uh, can I see it in the King James, Acts 19, 20? So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Thus the word of the Lord grew and spread and intensified, prevailing mightily. Say it out loud. One more time. Are there wicked people in government in Canada? Does the church have enemies? Are there people that are plotting right now to shut this thing down and make sure there's no church in Canada? Yes. But the end of Canada's story is going to read like this. So mightily grew the word of God 
and prevail. Every enemy of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, every enemy seeking to destroy people, they're going to have a confrontation with the Word of God, and the Word of God will prevail over every evil that's against it. So rejoice and be glad, because you're already on the winning side, and the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter because we have more time together. But as soon as that happens, people on the town council start to stir up problems for Paul. You know, we had a police officer visit my church in Pittsburgh today. Some, some lady started a Facebook page against our church. Not because of COVID or anything, just devil. You know, COVID, then there'll be a next thing. It's just, they're just outlets for the devil to try to shut the church down. So the, the police officer comes because this lady says that our people that are in the neighborhood canvassing and witnessing are following people home, which, which they're not. It's all lies. So Adalis is there. And Adalis, I was telling Steve, he, she's just so good at like disarming people. Because she just turns everything into a party. Flailing her arms, hoop earrings bouncing all around. Hey. <laughs> Two guns, a knife for some reason. She's like a Puerto Rican from the Old West. So the, so the police officer's there, and Adonis goes, hi, how can I help you? He said, I need to speak to the pastor. She said, I'm the pastor. Which when she said that, I was kind of thinking, I thought I was, but whatever. <laughs> so the pastor said, oh, well, we've been having some complaints that your people are going around giving people literature about the, the church and uh, that this is a cult. You know what the Lord gave Adonis to say to the police officer? She said, obviously, this isn't a cult. Look how many windows there are. Do you ever notice cults don't have any windows? Cults and strip clubs. You should stay out of both of them. No windows. But churches have windows. Let everybody see in, broadcast. Everything's done out in the open. So when she said that, the officer laughed. And she goes, we're not doing this because we're a cult. She said, we're Christians. And it's against Christianity to not share our faith with people. You know what the cop said to her? I know. I actually used to be a minister. And he said, uh, I was actually a chaplain on the police force. And now talking to you and hearing what you're doing, I'm actually happy that you're doing this. So he said, well, just so you know, we're all red on this police force. Where my church is is where they had Donald Trump have his rally when they came. So there's no, they're, they're very conservative. And he said, you're not going to have any problems with us. He said, if you think I'm going to do anything to strip your First Amendment rights away, I'm actually glad you're doing what you're doing. Keep doing it. And he said, I'm actually just doing this so I can cross it off my list. You're not doing anything wrong. Keep it up. So there are people. With, listen now. People, people, when they're Christians or in the ministry, they take opposition or that kind of thing. Like, you know, in the natural, like if I didn't know what I know and what I'm preaching to you, then I'd call our youth in and say, now listen, when you're passing stuff out, you need, don't, don't just go, go pass it out. No. Actually, if it's stirring the devil up, do it more. Interesting. How come the police aren't paying a visit to anybody's campaign headquarters? It's, it's election season in America. Everybody's had stuff hung on their door to vote Democrat or vote Republican. But then you start hanging stuff on people's door about the Bible and church, and it stirs the devil up. Anything that stirs the devil up, you don't do it less, you do it more. Anybody, by show of hands, has anybody seen Pastor Rodney do the stand? Do you know why? Because they arrested him for having church on Sunday. So he said, we're going to have church every day forever. Anything that makes the devil mad, you don't do it less, you do it more. Can I tell you something? 
your life will be a major frustration to the devil for the rest of your life. Everything the devil has tried to back you down from, you're going to do it with strength in Jesus' name. The devil will never back you up one inch again in the mighty name of Jesus. You're going to do great things for God. And when you stand before the Lord on judgment day, the only thing you're going to hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. If you receive that one final time tonight, clap your hands, all ye people. Let heaven hear that there's an army of believers in Canada that have not bowed their, be- their knee to bail. No, kiss this face. Lift your hands, close both eyes. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I loose a fresh impartation of the Holy Ghost into every old saint, every middle-aged saint, every young saint, everybody that's been divorced, everybody that's lost a family member through untimely death, and the devil's used that divorce or that death to strip the life out of you and render you ineffective. Tonight the Lord breathes fresh life into you by the Holy Ghost. Your life will not be defined by a tragedy. Your life will be defined by the destiny that God has for you like it was with Jeremiah. The fire of God comes upon the youth right now. The fire of God to take your position comes upon every young adult. Every mother, every father. A fresh anointing comes upon you now. Every grandparent, every great-grandparent, every senior, every widow, every widower. The fire of God comes upon you. The last chapter of your life has not been written yet. You and Jesus are going to write the final chapter. You're going to have a great role to play in this end time move of God that sweeps through Canada. So rejoice and be glad for the Lord has given you the victory. With your hands lifted, just begin to thank him out of your mouth. Thank him that it's a new day for Canada and a new day for you. Take 20 seconds and just thank him. Open up your mouth. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight, someone brought you, you're visiting, but you know you're not born again. You've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. I want you to do that tonight. Maybe even in the last two and a half years, when things went haywire, you just got disconnected from God. I want you to come back tonight. This is no hour to lay your head down at night on your way to hell or unsure if you're going to heaven. I want you to be sure. The Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have life eternal. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, won't it be great for the rest of your life, November 2nd, 2022? That's the day I got right with God. That's the day I settled my account with God. I know my name is written. I stood at an altar. And the Lord's already been doing stuff at this church. Pastor Steve was telling me how they had baptisms and then the amount of people getting baptized doubled as people wanted to get spontaneously baptized that didn't even bring clothes or anything. That didn't ever happen in Canada. It's a new day for Canada. You've just sat through a two hour and 50 minute revival meeting. It's a new day for you. If someone would have told some of you three years ago, you'd be at a revival meeting till 10:20 on a weekday, and it's not Easter and it's not Palm Sunday, or your nephew's not getting christened, you'd have said, "Not me, man. I don't do that stuff." But look how the Lord took what the devil meant for bad and turned it to good. 
Unfortunately though, you don't get to go to heaven because you enjoyed my preaching or enjoyed the service. You have to be born again. You have to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. The same way Jesus gave his life for you, literally gave his life for you. He asked you to come to an altar and stand and give your life to him. And when you do, the Bible says, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if any man gives his life to me, he will find true life. <laughs> I'm gonna try not to cry. But I gave my life to the Lord when I was four years old, the whole thing. I knew exactly what I was doing. And I can tell you, <laughs> 30, 38 years later, I don't have any, <laughs> when he said you'll find true life, I'm having fun. I'm having a lot of fun. Fun. Not some kind of spiritual fun. I'm talking like real fun. Me and Pastor Steve were driving home last night, went through McDonald's, and, 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 and we're just laughing. No talk about stress. I didn't even, I forgot he's building the sanctuary. You don't hear it come up in his conversation. I don't know where we're gonna go. I've just been praying, keep us in prayer. No, just laugh and laugh. Go back to his beautiful home with his two happy kids and his annoying wife. <laughs> and just laugh. If you're a visitor, she's my sister. I want you to know that. I want you to know what it means to have life ab more abundantly. Jesus didn't come to take your life away from you. He came to find true life. It's enjoyable. We used to sing a song growing up. It's a, it's a great thing to serve the Lord. I'm telling you, it's a great thing to serve the Lord. Can you identify a specific time in your mind where you stood at an altar and made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And if you can, since then, can you truly say, I've been living a pure and holy life? If not, to either two of those things, settle it with me today. If you say, Jonathan, I want to pray that prayer and know that my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to turn my back on the devil and give my life to Jesus. I want you to see your hand up high right now. We're going to pray. I see your hand. Who else? I see you in the corner. Awesome. Everyone that lifted a hand and in the back. Everyone that lifted a hand, come out of your seat right now and join me at the front. Those of you with a little more boldness, come first. It'll help those that are more timid. Let them out. You can walk forward with them. Keep clapping. We celebrate what you're doing. Good job, Miss Translator. If translation people get saved, you did a great job. Come right to the middle. Come right to the middle. Awesome. Come right to the middle. You face me. We're going to pray. We're just going to pray. Come right up. So glad you're here. Come right up. Come right up. This is your night. This is a celebration. This isn't an initiation. No one's going to cut you. If you're coming, come. Come. There's room for all oh, more people. Keep clapping. Amen. You made it. You were so wedged in the middle. I didn't know if you'd get it. Amen. Yes. Nice to have you. I usually don't like praying for people that are dressed nicer than me, but I'll make one exception. Amen. Oh, more? Awesome. Man. Welcome to the party. Lift both hands to the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Man, this has been great. What a, what a divine week. With your hands lifted, I'm going to give you the words to say, but you're talking to a living God. 
So you're not repeating this to me. Repeat, say this to the Lord from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in my heart you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your hands lifted and let me bless you. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This day will be a complete turning point for you. No more ups and downs. No more one good week, two bad weeks. Forward ever, no more backward steps. Where you used to have trouble, the Lord's going to help you and give you strength. In Jesus' name. Once I line you up to pray for you, I'm not going to get the service back. And people uh, are to be given an opportunity to sow seed. And that my testimony that my friends gave, gave that I knew nothing about from Alberta. That's actually the purpose of an offering. It's to give people an opportunity to sow a seed into the work of the Lord to turn their lives around. When Elijah received the offering from the widow in 1 Kings 17, he never told her one thing about his ministry. He never said, uh, the brook that I used to be at dried up. He never said, if you help support me in another chapter, I'm going to call fire down from heaven. He talked to her about her. When the Lord spoke to John about sowing that last $40, it wasn't to make our ministry $40 richer. It was to let God multiply the five loaves and two fish that were in his hand and make it enough to feed the multitude and then bring it back the 12 baskets to him. Somebody's going to sow that kind of seed tonight that's going to be a life-altering seed if you'll take the time to listen to the Holy Ghost. One seed can propel you very high if you take the time to ask the Lord what the seed's supposed to be. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.